Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. Mary Kay and Ashley are off this week, well-deserved vacation weeks for them. So uh, I had to call up Lance Reislin, our old buddy, to have him on. Lance, we haven't had you on for a while. It's great to see you. How are you doing? Dan, doing very well. It's great to be back, my friend. Okay, so I texted you and I said, let's do five Browns players we're excited to see in 2023. Let's draft them, right? A two-person draft. What can go wrong? Uh, But let's go through and figure out who we're excited to see in this new offense, this new defense. Not really any restrictions, not really any, you know, guidelines. It's just who you're excited to see. Uh, You know, you had said that I could have the first pick, but... You are the guest, Lance, so I feel like I need to let you have the first pick in this draft. You've never gotten to do a draft with us before. I feel like you should have the first pick here, so I am going to just seed my pick to you, and you get to go number one overall. Well, I think my first choice is going to be pretty obvious. I'm going to go with Sean Watson, so I'm taking uh, – yeah, yeah. I'm, really exci- I'm really excited to see him after a full offseason. Uh, I'm really excited to see him without all the, the extra stuff he had to go through last year. Uh, you know, in terms of not being on the field, not being able to play the whole season. I'm interested to see if he can get back to that 220. He was so good in 220. When you watch those films from 220, he is so dynamic. So uh, with the weapons they've added, um, full year in the system, full year of work, uh, I'm very excited to see uh, what level he gets to and will he get back to that 220 level. So when you watched this offense last year in those six games with Deshaun, I, I guess what did you see? What was it just a lot of rust? Was it just kind of just too hard to kind of put that offense on the field for six games after 11 games off? What, what did you see from it? Yeah, I think it's just a long time off. Lots and lots of rust, like you said. So, you know, watch it from a coach's perspective. I just saw uh, latest stuff. You know, footwork's a little bit – obviously, footwork's different from being in the gun. He was in the gun almost 89%, almost 90% of the time with the Texans. So being underneath center, learning that footwork, uh, and then just game speed. That game speed at the NFL level – um, I've said it to people before. I've watched football my whole life, but being down there last year on the, you know, at practice on the sidelines, those guys are so fast, and that just takes, you know, you can be as fast as you want in practice, but you got to have those game reps. Um, I just think he was rusty. I think it was a new offense. He had uh, he had to learn new people, uh, and, and there's a lot of stuff that off the field that kind of probably took in, you know, took its a uh, toll on him as well. So I just saw rust. I think he's going to come back. I think he's going to be. I think he can get this 220 uh, self for sure. So obviously, I mean, Watson had to be the first pick, right? Like, maybe that's why you wanted me to be the first pick. You just wanted me to get the obvious one out of the <laughs> that's way. right. But, but um, I, I guess I, I really want to see what Kevin can do now with an offseason, just knowing he's going to be the guy. I'm actually really interested in what the quarterback run game is going to look like. I think of all the pieces of this offense, and I'm sure we're going to get into some other areas as we go. Of all the pieces, the thing I'm most interested in is what they do with the quarterback run game and and how they, you know, they don't want him carrying the ball 15 times, you know, maybe seven, maybe eight carries, eight designed runs a game. But I think that's a really intriguing part of this. and, And that's something that I think can make this offense really difficult to defend. Well, when you talk about true run game, that plus one run game we talked about when we did the uh, Saints game and, and, and Taysom. So you, when you get that plus one run game, that's an extra guy. And I think with the Browns, they have such a good offensive line and such a good run game with Chubb that he adds to that. 
Um, I, what I'm excited to see is what they do in terms of keeping people out of the box with the read game. So not, not just run pass options, because obviously they'll do those, but just keeping people out of the box, keeping people honest, reading that backside end or reading a linebacker uh, on those short little, you know, if they do run pass option, but just keeping that backside end in, you know, they can read the three technique on zone read. There's a lot of things, different things you can do. Uh, I think uh, Stefanski does a great job of getting what he wants. He's a great play designer. So he has those options with him. But what I, what I think is going to be great is he's just going to loosen the box for Nick Chubb. And um, so I'm interested to see that. That's what I want to see. How much, how many people have to be out of the box now because of his feet, uh, his ability to make quick reads and his ability to run. Well, it's funny you mentioned Nick Chubb because I have pick number two and that's where I was going to go. Nick Chubb. Uh, I'm very curious to see what he looks like. I think, so in one sense, we sort of know what Nick Chubb is going to look like because he's Nick Chubb, I think, the best runner in football. Um, I, you know, when he gets to the second level, one-on-one match, he's nearly unstoppable. Um, five yards a carry for his career. Somebody asked me, one of our texters asked me, can Nick Chubb get 1,600 yards this season? And, I mean, the answer is if, if he gets enough carries, yes. Now, he needs something like 320 carries. I don't think he's going to get that many if he averages five yards a carry. But... On the one hand, we know what Nick Chubb is, but now I want to see what he is next to Deshaun Watson, what he is in the passing game. He's going to be much more involved there. Uh, in the screen game, how does he run out of the shotgun? All of that. So I still think, even though we sort of know what Nick Chubb is, I want to see what he looks like now in this version of the offense. And I get asked this all the time, so let's just start here. For a guy like Nick Chubb, what makes it so that he you know, we know he can run tradi- out of a traditional look out of the shotgun. What changes for him and, and why is he going to be able to still kind of excel there? Well, I think it'll be fine that, you know, they call it sidecar when he's next to him, but I, I would like to see them in some more pistol. I think pistol because what Nick Chubb does really well is he gets downhill. So if you think about that zone scheme, um, getting downhill, one cut, foot in the ground and go. Now he has, he runs the counter game very well. So he, I think he'll adjust to whatever. I think he's a back that can adjust to whatever. Um, sidecar, he can catch the ball in the backfield. He's, he catches the ball naturally. Um, I think, you know, when you talk about combined yards, now you're talking that 15, 1800 yard thing. I don't think that's, I don't think that's out of reach because of the fact that you're going to get a lightened box and what Deshaun Watson brings to. So last year he had 302 carries for 1,525 yards. So you're averaging five yards a rush. You're, you're getting about 17 between 16 and 18 carries a game. I still think he can get 14 to 18 carries a game. But now you, if you look at some of those boxes he was running in, he's running against seven, eight, nine boxes, uh, man boxes with 13, 12 personnel. I think they're going to be much more spread. Um, I'm a big believer in linemen blocking linemen. So when you get in, sometimes when you get those heavy boxes, linemen have to block more linebackers, they have to block secondary guys. That's really hard to do. Now you're going to get linemen on linemen and, you know, linemen on those linebackers inside the box. I think that's going to be, I think he's going to be more productive. I'm not sure total yards, but I would not be shocked if his average per carry is even higher than five. He's going to get, I think he's going to have a huge year because of Deshaun Watson. I've heard a lot, um, some of your podcasts in terms of like, is he going away? Is he, he's so they're so important to each other because what are you going to do in terms of that box number? And that's what, that's what Deshaun Watson, he gives him a lighter box number. I think that's the thing no one is talking about is the fact that he's not going to be facing eight in the box, nine. in the. I mean, there were times when Baker Mayfield was the quarterback last year with Jacoby. Uh, you know, I, I, I specifically remember in the last Baker year, we were in Baltimore watching the Ravens and they would have 
nine, 10 guys within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage because Baker was hurt. He couldn't throw. And that's what Nick Chubb was running against. And now you can't do that. Now you're going to have not just lighter boxes, but I would assume lighter personnel on the field too. So if you've got three receivers, now you've got an extra corner out there. Uh, you know, you're taking a linebacker off the field in different situations. And Kevin is so good at finding mismatches in, in those situations that I, I just think that I think this could be a big year for Nick Chubb just because of those points you were making about the lighter boxes. Well, I think you bring up a good point, too, in terms of personnel. You know, NFL, all levels now, we like to match up personnel with who comes in. So now you go, even if they go 10 personnel and, and you got Najoku or 11 personnel, you can split. You can go two by two or three by one. Uh, you can run all your power sets. You can run your inside-outside zone. And again, now it's not only a later box, but the people who are on the those fringe players, those force players, those flat defenders, those are now going to be nickel corners and, and smaller guys. So you're right. Um and what I like is that now those linemen don't have to account for so many people. They get to block the bigs. And bigs on bigs is what you want as an offensive coordinator. It's hard to block those second-level guys sometimes. If those second-level guys, there's not as many and they're lighter, you got a, you got a chance to have a pretty good run game. So I'm with you. I think no one's talking about the how uh, he spreads and what they've added on offense spreads this whole – gets this whole offense, you know, horizontally across the field, which is going to open up even more lanes. All right, let's move on. Uh, who, who's next on your list here? Well, I get, you're making it easy on me, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Miles Garrett, and uh, I, you know, my, with my second pick, and um, <clears throat> for what they've done on the defensive line, the reason I like Miles Garrett is because he can now um, with Zadarius Smith, and I've done a lot of work with the defensive line with the from the 2017 Eagles team. And what they do, what Schwartz does so well is create these matchups. And they've added not just Zadarius Smith, but they've added Tomlinson and Oboe and some other guys that are going to really create um, havoc in terms of matchups because Smith can go downside, so can Miles. So I'm interested to see Miles Garrett not always getting the attention. Um, he will obviously get the attention because he's still the best defensive lineman. But he's now you got to be you got to kind of honor the rest of those guys as well. So I think he's in he's set for a huge year. Not only not only is he did they have more people up front, um, but Schwartz is the master of creating matchups. So I think that's going to be really beneficial. So we've talked about this before. The idea of um kind of what can help Miles be at his best. And I think he's been hurt a little bit by not having a dominant inside presence next to him. I think Sheldon Richardson provided that um, in, in spots when he was here, but I, I think it hurt him last year, obviously not having another guy on the other side who was reliable and, and could help, but not having that inside presence, I think hurt him. And now you've got Dalvin Tomlinson eating up blockers, but also you mentioned him, Zadarius Smith, he's going to line up inside a lot this year. And there, there were times in the spring when we saw him lined up inside. It wouldn't shock me if the first defensive snap week one, Desaria Smith is lined up inside. Um, I, I think that's entirely possible. And I think having an inside rushing presence next to miles is going to just change the game for him. Well, two things. First of all, you have the inside presence as a, uh, as a pass rusher, but you have Tomlinson who now I think is vitally important because regardless of how good Miles Garrett is, you have to get the second and minus. You have to get the – it can't be second and six all the time. And when you can control – when other teams can control the run game like they did against Cleveland last year, you are just in bad spots. You're in non – I don't want to say non-passing spots, but you're in non – uh, 50-50 spots, which is, means an offense can do whatever it wants. And second and six, an offense can pass or an offense can run. When you get to second eight, second nine, even if you get, you know, you can get to second and 10, obviously if you get a tackle for a loss or an incompletion, now it's on your terms. 
And that's what that's what Schwartz. That's another thing. I, a lot of people I've kind of watching this film kind of get to Schwartz is really going to make you make a big play on first down because he's going to get you to second and third and long. Then he can do his stuff. And he doesn't do a lot of stuff. He uh, just does it well. But that's what the Browns need to do. Browns need to stop the run on first down. That's really going to help Miles Garrett. And that's what they do. That's what Thomason and Smith and, you know, these linebackers now get that they're not reading. They're just getting up field. So I think it's all it's all going to be a good match for uh, for what the Browns personnel is now. When people talk about the wide nine, how different is that for from what Miles has done in the past to what he's going to be asked to do this year? Well, the wide nine, he's not going to be engaged. He's not going to be, if you think about the, the human body is like a cylinder. And we always used to say, you know, as a defensive lineman, you want to cover that offensive lineman's cylinder, kind of split him, split his nose. And now he's going to be outside that cylinder. Now it makes it even tougher on the defensive tackle because that defensive tackle doesn't have any help from his defensive end. So that tackle can get a running start on him in a double team or a down block or a zone block. So for my, they have to be really, really good at reading that tackle um, but what it does is it gives you a great angle in the pass rush right now. And it's already creating that edge, which he's so good at anyway. Um, you know, I like to say Schwartz, the more I watch Schwartz, is they're a pass rushing to stop the run now. They're not doing the traditional, uh, especially in the ends where they get hands on and they're going down the line of scrimmage. They are getting upfield and they are pass rushing to stop the run. And from the defensive line to the linebackers, you know, li- the linebackers are covering punts. They're running downfield and they're, they're just getting upfield. So um, what it does, it just puts him wider, creates a great edge and he's got to read that tackle. And, and that, that means the defensive tackles have to be even better. There's one, there's one other miles point I want to make. And Mary Kay and I talked about this last week. Um, if this offense is as good as we think it can be, there's going to be opportunities late in games where miles and the rest of that defensive line, the other team is down 10, down 14, 12 minutes left in the game. We know what they're doing. So now Miles Garrett, Zadarius Smith, Oboe, Dalvin, all these guys, it's time for them to eat. I mean, as a, you know, as a coach in that situation, again, when you know the other team is, is throwing the football, what are you telling your pass rushers? Well, that, you know, like you said, that's complimentary football, right? So now you're getting your offense. You're not, you have faith in your offense. You have faith in your offense to go score points. Uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, can the, uh, you know, can you kick it in the end zone on kickoff? Can you make sure that you punt inside the 20 or inside the 10? Uh, obviously 20 at the high school level, you're thinking, five, you know, five in on the uh, pro level. But you're telling, now you can pin your ears. Now you're not, re- now you don't have to read down, you know, you have to read the down blocks. Now you're simple. If you, if you're in a pass only situation, those defensive ends, those defensive tackles are thinking about getting in those gaps and going. They don't have to worry about down blocks. They don't have to worry about getting trapped or getting kicked out on counters. If there's no run threat, now you've taken the majority of what they have to do as a defensive lineman, and you're saying just be really good at what you do, which is rush the passer. And the Browns have a bunch of guys that can really do that. So if you're in a pass-only situation, then that goes back to that wide nine, which is for the most part they're going to be in wide fives because mo- most teams aren't, don't have tons of tight ends anymore. They're kind of It's kind of a – a lost art, the true, you know, inline tight end, not all the time, but you're going to get that wide five or that wide nine, whoever the last line uh, lineman is on the line of scrimmage. Now they have a great angle because that's where they've worked. And now they know they've already created, you know, Miles Garrett being outside a cylinder, that's going to be really tough to block. Okay. Uh, I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball and I'm going to take a guy. This is probably, there's other guys. I There are other guys I'm interested in, but I want to talk about this guy. I actually just wrote uh, about, his position today uh, just went up on the site here on Wednesday. I'm going to take Greg Newsome. I think he is one of the most interesting storylines this season. 
Um, and maybe people are just sick of hearing about it. They're sick of hearing about Nickel and uh, how the Browns are going to deploy Newsom. But I think he's really interesting because this is a big year for him. Uh, it's his third year in the league. I feel like it's been pretty up and down, a former first-round pick. Uh, doesn't have an interception in the league yet. Uh, I think he only had like one interception at Northwestern, too. So yep. he's got to start forcing some turnovers here. Um, this is a guy that was not thrilled to be playing nickel last year. I still think he's going to be playing some nickel, but we saw Denzel Ward doing it a little bit in the spring, and we saw some safeties doing a little bit in the spring. I think there's going to be opportunities now for Newsom to be an outside corner with Ward playing a little bit inside. But just Newsom's role, kind of this really important year for Greg Newsom, and now it's kind of like no excuses anymore. Like Joe Woods is gone. Jim Schwartz is here. If you can't make it work with Jim Schwartz in this scheme, I don't know what to tell you. So Greg Newsom is a guy with a ton of talent, has shown flashes. I want to see if he can put it all together this year. Well, see, there's an interesting thing. See, so you go from Woods, you think about the back the back end of the uh, secondary. They had the two corners, two safeties. It kind of created that umbrella. And Joe Woods is a keep it in front of you kind of guy. So when you talk about the corners and the safeties, those guys are the those guys are the secondary guys in a Joe Woods defense, the two shell defense, keep everything in front. Um, now you now you've changed this one high hat defense. So now this this outside linebacker, uh, this nickel guy, he's a he's a corner. He's a corner, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if you get a lot of which uh, Schwartz is you're going to get uh, Ward going to the best receiver. So if the best receiver's at three, they're going to adjust a- accordingly uh, and get there, and Newsom will be outside regardless because uh, Ward's going to get what he wants. He's going to be in a ton of man coverage. But, yeah, I think the difference is now that they're in this one high-hat safety, these outside force the guys, you know, it'd be Delpit for, you know, that'd be down in the box and Newsom. These guys are, these guys are corners now. They're just inside and the defense is a lot different. They're not a part of the shell where they're complete run fits. Um, the, the thing I really like about a Schwartz defense is that when you look at all those films from 2017, you have to be a good football player. It's kind of position. The positions in the, the back seven are all kind of, it's really weird, but it's all kind of interchangeable, especially when they just go with a two linebacker look. So these guys got to be able to run around. They got to be able to tackle. They got to be able to cover. They got to be able to blitz. They got to be good football players, which I think Newsom is really, really, really good at. And it's a lot, di- in my opinion, it's a lot different because you're not getting this two shell. You get one guy back, those two outside guys, which would be Delpit and Newsom. They're going to be guys who are in the mix. And, and I think they're going to be both very good at it. I, I don't know that this guy ends up on our list, but you mentioned with Denzel Ward, um, kind of that following a little bit. And I, I, I would be really interested to see like week one against the Bengals. Does Denzel Ward just go wherever Jamar Chase goes? And so if Jamar Chase is outside, Denzel is out there. If Jamar Chase lines up in the slot, which he does, you know, 10, 15 times a game, is Denzel Ward there? I, I think those are... Those are some of the interesting things that I want to see if, if Jim Schwartz does. Is that something you noticed with him when, when you went back and kind of broke down that Eagles? Yeah, film? so if you're going to get – so you could – I like I don't – I wouldn't be shocked if you have uh, another corner, uh, if Delpit, if they have a really, really good uh, fourth receiver because you could – those guys are all interchangeable. So when you just have one high hat, if they put him at two – then Newsom can just bump outside to one. It doesn't matter because they're they're all corners now. So when you get this two shell that they were in last year, uh, those inside guy that nickelback, he was actually an outside linebacker in a four two five. That outside that four that nickel guy, he's actually an outside backer. So he has run fits things like that. That's not the case with these wide nines. Now you got these these guys are setting the edge, these interchangeable parts. So um, you're going to see if it's two by two, you're going to see 
corners on the outside unless they want to match Ward up. And then you're going to see Delpit, who will be on the tight end or the slot, the bigger slot. And then you'll see Newsom on the third receiver. So I think like Cincinnati's a great fit since they, they match up really well against Cincinnati in this new look because they'll be able to match up. And if, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they even go dime, if they feel Delpit can't cover receiver, if they try to go fourth receiver in that slot. So they got, they got a lot of uh, versatility now that there's just one safety. Those, they can get four corners in the game if they want to. All right, let's take a break and then we'll continue uh, looking at five each. We're going to look at 10 players that we are most excited to see, most interested to see uh, on the Cleveland Browns in 2023. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Lance Reisling going through 10 players, uh, five each that we are excited to see on the Cleveland Browns this season. Lance, you are up now with your third player. You have already taken Deshaun Watson and Miles Garrett. Well, obviously, the obvious choice at receiver would be Cooper, but I'm going to go a little different route. I'm going to go Elijah Moore. And the reason why is because I think he gives the Browns what they desperately need, which is easy yards. I know for months you and I have talked about uh, easy yards and the ability to get easy yards. And now Elijah Moore gives you this uh, ability to run this quick game, uh, run these option routes, run these run pass options. He can also give you jet sweeps. He can also give you uh, different things uh, in terms of space. He's also a great guy. If the play, play breaks down, it's a scramble drill. Uh, you know, when you look back, he's kind of, you know, the thing is he's so young. And I remember you guys talking about like, basically that was the Brown's second round pick. And you look back, that's an incredible second round pick. He was so good at Ole Miss. Uh, and what uh, they did with him there. And I think he has the same type of skill set that the top slots in the NFL have. He's fast, he's sudden, he's twitchy. So now you get these, uh, you know, you think about, um, you go back to the Nick Chubb. So you think about a pin and pull series that the Browns like to run. Now they can read that backside backer. If that backside backer tries to help on Nick Chubb, you pull it and you throw a little, you know, a little option route, a little slant, a little, a bubble screen, um, just to keep that, again, he keeps the box light. Um, which is going to really improve the run game. And he gives the Browns a slot that I think they need, a guy who's just really twitchy and, and can make a lot of easy yards for him because they, they still need to make sure they get these easy yards. It can't always be second and six. It always can't be second eight. They need to get some easy yards. So I'm, I, I like more here. He was going to be my pick. It was going to be him or Newsom. I, I think he needed to be high up this list because he's the new guy. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, we had talked about this guy as their second-round pick, essentially. Uh, still on his rookie deal for two more years. All they did really was move down uh, 31 spots in, in order to, to, to acquire him. So a really high-value trade, uh, regardless of what he does. But I think Kevin has always liked kind of these versatile, do-everything type of receivers. But a lot of what he's had has been like, uh, you know, he didn't really get to use Jakeem Grant, but they were going to use Jakeem in that role. Uh, mm-hmm. Jojo Natson was a guy that they they kind of tried that with a little bit. There were there were other guys. I don't think he's had a guy <laughs> with the talent of Elijah Moore. And I was curious. I went back and looked at some of his draft when he came out. Um, super fast, obviously, right? I think he ran in the four threes, and he earned a comparison. So Lance Zerline does on NFL.com. He does player comps, which can always be a little dangerous, but I think his are always interesting. He compared Elijah Moore to Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you know, Antonio Brown, when he came into the league, people might not remember that, as, but he was kind of this gadgety, versatile guy who returned kicks, got the ball in different ways uh, before he turned into one of the top receivers in, in the game. That That's sort of how I envision the Browns using Elijah Moore as well. Maybe, maybe not as a returner, but 
just as that kind of do everything, line up everywhere sort of player. Well, two things. First of all, I like the I like that comp because Elijah can play out at one. So usually you get at one, you get the DP, DPJ or Cooper types, longer type of guys could run the posts, the digs, the comebacks. But a lot more can do it too. He's a great route runner. The thing I like about what we were talking about in terms of personnel. So now you have if you go eleven personnel, you got Najoku and you got you got him in a slot. You have Najoku, which gives you a great power run side. Are you going nickel? Because now if you go nickel, now once again you're struggling against the run game. If you try to go big personnel, that's what Elijah Moore gives you. Now you're going to have him mashed up on a linebacker, even though it's zone, inside a zone, it's man coverage. So, again, that's that personnel uh, that this, these slot receivers give you. Do you go small and give yourself up in the run game a little bit, or do you go bigger to stop Nick Chubb? Now you've got a backer who's got to do something with Elijah Moore in space. So, uh, And I think Kevin Savancy is so good at, at designing this type of stuff where you get what you want um, personnel-wise in, in what you're calling. So that's what I like. That's, that's what I think it's really going to help the Browns is that he's going to – Elijah Moore dictates what personnel you're putting in there, and and, and the Browns will do whatever it needs. If you watch Stefanski, even his years in Minnesota, they'll he'll do whatever you need to do to win. It's about winning and losing. So if you're going to go dime and nickel, they'll just that's that's little guys trying to ch- tackle Nick Chubb. That's not going to be good either. So I think Moore really adds to this. The other thing where I think Moore will help will be early downs. Um, you know, you mentioned when we were talking about Miles Garrett in the defense, right? If you can get second and twelve, second and you know, or second and eight, whatever it is that's when your pass rushers can really excel. Well, on the other side, you know, we know like the analytics movement pushes, you know, throwing on early downs. And that's something that I think Elijah Moore can help with. Uh, You know, Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones obviously are big targets, can get downfield. But I think Elijah Moore, he can make some first down catches that get you to second and six, second and four. And Nick Chubb can certainly excel in those those situations as well. You can do whatever you want if it's second and four, second and five. So I I think Elijah Moore can help there as well with kind of that early down offense. Well, if you look at like, if you look at a simple defense, so you got four down linemen and two linebackers. So there's five offensive linemen. It's a really simple scheme. So if you're in a spread, if you're in a spread look, if you're in a three by one and you got, and a team says, you know what, we still need to have six guys in there to, to stop Nick Chubb. Okay, well, you can block five, can't block six. Now you make that six backer away from the play. You make Elijah Moore in charge of him. So he's going to run a little slant route. He's going to run a little option route. If that backer who's away from the play decides to run and help, now you just pull the ball and that's a, that's easy. That's it. Like you said, that could be a big play, but at least it's going to be second, five, second, four. And instead of running in the boxes that are jam-packed, now you're saying you have to honor everybody. If you don't honor everybody, we're just going to pull the ball and throw it. So you're going to get – with, with or with not, the linemen are going to block five because now the receivers are going to replace those backside linebackers on run-pass options. Uh, I think it's going to be really tough to stop. Okay, so I have taken Nick Chubb and uh, Greg Newsom. I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball, and I have a suspicion that this guy is probably on your list somewhere. Maybe he was going to be your next pick. I don't know. I'm going to go Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Uh, coming mm. off the foot injury... And I really think of all the players who aren't defensive linemen, he was on your list. I can tell. I see. I can see it in your face. I can. Of all the players who aren't like defensive linemen, right? Like that's who we talk about with Jim Schwartz. It's the D line. It's the pass rush. I think Jeremiah Wusukoromoa is the most equipped to take a jump in this scheme because of. From what I understand, certainly you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I understand of this defense, it's the defensive line kind of creates chaos up front, rushes the passer. That's the meat and potatoes. 
and the linebackers get to basically just play special teams, like run downhill, get in the backfield, make plays. And if you told me to point at a couple linebackers on this team that can do that, uh, Jeremiah Wusukormo might be the first one that I point to. He can play that position like a running back, and I think he's got a chance to really excel here. So a guy that I really never knew anything about when I watched the Eagles film is a guy named Nigel Bradham uh, from the Eagles, the inside linebacker. And the, he's a classic case of he just finds the football. So what, what I see with them is that when you get a two-gap, so if you think about inside zone that everybody runs, you're going to get that three technique, the, the, center, uh, the guard and the tackle are going to double him. And that backer is either going to go A, fast A or slow B, depending on what responsibility is. Now there's none of that. So if the backer, if the defensive lineman is in B gap, he's taking B gap. He's getting upfield. He's getting his hands on, but he's in charge of B gap, which simply allows that linebacker to take A gap or vice versa if he takes A. So these guys just get to run around. Now, these defensive linemen getting upfield, I just watched a pin and pool series from 2017 where these defensive, Vinnie Curry and, and Fletcher Cox, they just get up so upfield that the guys who are pulling in charge of linebackers can't get out and around. So again, by penetrating upfield, these linebackers get to run. They get to run in their gaps. They get to run over top. They get to scrape over top. But that's a really good way to look at it. They're covering kicks. They are simply being football players. And when you think about what the Browns linebackers are really good at, it's running around. Now, now they don't have to wait for that double team. And if you watch last year, so many times they take their check steps, so you see them bounce, and they're waiting to see what happens on that double team. By the time they would be read it, those big 300-pounders would be right on them, and they couldn't do anything. Now there's none of that. Now they're, they're, if they have a gap, everybody has a gap, but there's no two-gapping, really. It's get upfield, find your guy. The defensive linemen are going to be um, – if you look at when I wrote – the, the thing that you see is that the defensive line is always three yards deep into the backfield. So if you look every single time you watch an Eagles film, which causes havoc, and then those linebackers just get to run around. I think that's a great explanation of what they are. They're, they're, fi- they're finishing the madness with the defensive line created. They're just kind of you know finishing it up. And kind of sticking with that D-line point, how much does it help to, again – this team has like legitimate options now at defensive tackle. Well, that defensive tackle still, you, so you're still going to get there. You're still going to get guy, you know, they're still going to try to double team that three technique. That's the nature of football. But the difference is that that guy's not weighing there. So when they say like Dalvin Thompson, they want him to be faster. That's really what they want there. He's still going to get doubled, but they like him to get doubled and push back. So if he's in that B gap and that guard and tackle are trying to double team him, they're trying to vertically displace him backwards, which runs you right into the linebacker. In a Schwartz defense, Schwartz is saying, hey, you have B gap. You're 325 pounds. You have the guard. You're going to run through that guard. And basically what ends up happening is that guard and tackle end up staying right there because they're not moving him at all. And by not being able to move him at all, they don't get off onto the linebacker. Then that linebacker gets to run A gap free. And that's kind of the, you know, regardless of the gap responsibilities, that's kind of what you're getting. You get these defensive linemen who are so far upfield that they're causing havoc and they're knocking poolers off and the double teams can't get off onto the linebackers because there's they're three yards in the backfield. Okay, so you're up now with your next pick. Well, my next pick, you know, we talked uh, – Last year, I think for about eight months, we talked about the defensive line. So I got to go. I got to stick to my guns here. I'm going to go Davin Thompson with my uh, fourth pick. And I think he's vitally important to what everybody is uh, doing here on the defensive line. Uh, I have a bunch of examples. Um, Timmy Jernigan was the defensive tackle for the Eagles in 2017. And he opens up so much for those guys. So on a third down to play, they had um, they had Cox at the three technique. Um and they had their other guy outside at the uh, at the five. I think it was Chris Long at the five. And what they did is they put Timmy Jernigan on the center. 
And by putting him on the center in that opposite A gap, the center and the guard, the backside guard had to block him. And that left Cox all by himself on the right guard. So even though Timmy Jernigan didn't make the play, his big body kind of occupied people. So not only in the run game, but in pass game, Schwartz does a great job of lining these guys and putting them in positions that will um, make – he's dictating. Uh, And I say that all the time with Schwartz. He's dictating. So he's saying, we're going to be in a four-man front. We're going to put this guy on the nose. You're going to have to block the opposite defensive tackle with just your guard. And they do such a great job. of now you have that guard. Now if you think about that guard, now the – the DN is in a wide five or a wide nine. So that tackle's got to get way out there. Now you have this big lane for this inside guy. So there's just so many things that cause havoc. And Thompson being a big body in there, I think he's so important. And he's just not a big body. The big body guys are like, he's a big body guy who can move. So I think he's super important to this defense. So NFL teams love to be secretive and they love to not give too much away, but there's always a time, whether it's during the season, during the off season, when you go on the clock in the draft, there's always a time when you have to just put your cards on the table and show everybody what's been going on behind the scenes. And, you know, the listen, they can say all the right things. They can say Jim Schwartz didn't, you know, have anything to do with it. They can say whatever they want to say, but the bottom line is the Browns hired Jim Schwartz and about a month later, they signed a defensive tackle to a four-year, $57 million deal with $27.5 million guaranteed. That tells me that Jim Schwartz looked at the film of this defense and said, we got to get better. I mean, everybody did. But Jim Schwartz specifically said to somebody in that building, we got to get better inside and we got to make an investment here. And so they signed Tomlinson. They draft Siaki Ika. And these offseason moves just tell me everything I need to know about how Jim Schwartz felt about the defensive line last year. Well, they they had to improve, right? So we, we talked about it. I talked about it last year uh, when we met and we talked. Uh, t- that really scared me. Those defensive la- tackles last year just scared me because they they were the scheme didn't match. with They're, they're two-gap guys. They needed a big 300-pounders who didn't move. Now they're in this scheme where they can move. Like Jordan Elliott, I think, is going to be much better in this scheme because he's a big, heavy guy who's athletic. And now he doesn't have to worry about taking on these doubles and trying to get his knee down and turn his hip in. He's just going to go. And, I, you know, I learned from uh, for, learned from you last year when I started working with you. If you want to see where the importance is, see where the money goes, right? And that immediately I thought of you in the terms of they needed they, they knew they needed to update this position and improve this position because it was so poor last year. You know, they finished 27th against the run, but it was more just that like second and three, second and two. That makes it really hard on a defense to rush the passer because the offense is now dictating. The one thing that will not happen this year, uh, win, lose, or draw, Schwartz is not going to wait. This is a aggressive he does not care who you play. You know, I got there's you watch on film. It doesn't matter if they're playing great receivers, great tight ends. They're going to be in man coverage and they're going to pressure you. And that's his style. So, um, you know, they, they they needed to upgrade this so they can get to that second long, third long. You know, again, just kind of looking at, you know, going and getting Zadarius, all of this stuff. It just tells me like they this sort of feels like I've said this before. You don't get a race car driver like Jim Schwartz and give him a Honda Civic. You know, you got to give him a race car. So they go and they get Thomas and they go and they get Smith. They already have Miles Garrett. And this just all feels like not just an investment in, you know, these players, but they're investing in this defensive coordinator too and kind of investing in his strengths. Well, when you look back, the, you know, when I look back when they, that defense, I'm really excited because you can argue that the front seven uh, from the Eagles 2017 team and the front seven from the Browns, you can argue who's better 
um, who's not. But the one thing that the Browns are definitely better right now is in the secondary. But if you look at what the Eagles do in 17 that I think Schwartz needs to bring more than anything schematically is an attitude. You know, you look at like Darby and Corey Graham and they had Malcolm Jenkins and they had these guys. They all play with such energy and they all play with such um, confidence. And I think being in man coverage, I think guys like Ward and Newsom and Emerson, these guys are going to be so much more confident because basically it's me versus you. It's man coverage. I got you. You got me. Got to be a football player. They tackle. They, they, they cover different positions. They play different positions. I mean, I watched 15 snaps where Malcolm, Jack, Malcolm Jenkins is, is the Mike backer. So they do different things because of what Schwartz is, is going to do. But I think you're right. This guy really knows how to create matchups and win matchups. Now he's got the front seven. Now the front seven just needs to match on paper. They need to bring the attitude. They need to be a little bit meaner, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I wanted to bring that up, too, because we both sat there and watched those Eagles joint practices last mm-hmm. year. And uh, the, the Browns, I, I felt like the Browns got pushed around in those practices. I, I felt like the Eagles were the more physical team. They were the team that was that was more ready to go. I, don't, I hate to say more ready, but they, they were the more physical team. I felt like they were a little bit tougher in those practices. And, you know, you came away from those practices thinking, hey, this Eagles hype might be real. And you just weren't real sure about the Browns. Well, if you remember the second day, we sat up top to get a little better view, right? So we sat in the bleachers to get a a little better view of what was going on. And um, the first part of practice, I was always like, I always am. I was around watching the Eagles O-line, D-line stuff for the Browns. And I was taken away like the the Eagles kind of got that matchup. But when I remember talking to you going, there was just not enough nastiness. It's the seventh day of camp. You've been out here a long time. You're hot. You're bothered. There should be some some scraps. There should be some flare-ups. There should be some – and there was just none of that. It was a very comfortable, um, very um, – like, you're my friend, I'm your friend. And that's really not how football is won, especially defensively. So um, I think that's the attitude. They need to bring a little bit more uh, – you know, a little bit more nastiness um, – you know, when that whistle blows. So I think that's, that's the one thing, like they have the talent now. And I think Schwartz is the guy. Now they need to play with an attitude. All right. I'm going to go. There's a few guys that I'm looking at here, but I think this is a guy I'm going back to the offensive side of the ball. And this is a guy that we talk about so much on this podcast and Browns fans talk a bunch about him. Um, He had one of his best years last year, but there's still a little more there that that I keep wanting to see from him. I always come away wanting just a little more out of him. And of course, this is the best quarterback he's played with in his career. Uh, He's already surprisingly, you know, I can't believe this in years. He's going into year seven. Um, I'm picking David Njoku, Uh, the tight end position, really important in Kevin Stefanski's offense still. Uh, and Joku is a guy that is, I mean, he's a matchup problem. We we know that. We've seen him make spectacular plays. That Tampa play comes to mind last year. We've also seen him have his lapses. The New Orleans play, uh, when he dropped the ball at the goal line, comes to mind. His hands have gotten better. I guess the way I look at Njoku is there's, there's different tiers of tight ends. So there's Travis Kelsey. He's like in his own tier. Um, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, probably the maybe the best pass catching tight end ever. Uh and then you've got this second tier where that's probably where you've got Mark Andrews, George Kittle. I'm sure I'm going to forget some names. I think Darren Waller, when he's healthy, <laughs> is probably in that tier. And then you kind of get into this third tier, um, Dallas Goddard, some other guys. And I feel like David Njoku is like right on the cusp of that group. And if he really puts it all together, 
can play himself in the next year or two into that discussion where you're getting into the George Kittles and, and, you know, that group of tight ends, but he hasn't quite gotten there yet. And I just want to see what this looks like with Deshaun Watson for a full season at quarterback. And we know that Watson will throw to tight ends. He did it in Houston. Um, he, he's going to do it here. I, that's a connection that I'm really interested in seeing this year to see how it works, to see if Njoku can make that leap from, you know, 50 catch 600 yard guy to, well, yeah, he was a 58 catches, 628 yards last year to 70 or 80 catches and seven or 800, maybe even 900 yards. I, I think there's still another level for Njoku and I want to see if he can get there. The thing I like about Njoku, like you said, first, he's a matchup issue. So he gives you 11 personnel, but you can get in any spread set you want. And he is a, once again, he goes down to, uh, does he line up as an inline tight end and give you a power run set with six big guys up front running the ball? Or do you split them out and now you got them on a nickel, a small nickel back? So there's there's a lot you can do in 11 personnel with Njoku. And I think 11 personnel will be their base set, uh, obviously, this year. Uh, I would say the thing that when you I, I had Najoku in my notes, he only had four touchdowns last year. So he's got to be a better red zone option, uh, and I think he will because they'll be more spread out and, and he'll be able to work that middle of that field because they have some guys who are, who are going to cause some problems in terms of vertical stretch now, um, guys who can get open in, in the slot. Uh, Cooper, who's still one of the top route runners in the league. So they have a lot of red zone. Uh, they create a lot of red zone issues for a defense, and he could get lost, especially inside. Also, if teams are going to, you know, he's a, you know, they've split him out at one and thrown fades to him down in the red zone, too. So if you're going to get teams that try to play small uh, because of the receivers the Browns have, then you can split them out. There's a lot of things you can do in Njoku. Uh, I'm with you. I think he needs to, there's a, there's a next step. Um, again, he's had all, they've had all offseason together that he's, he blocks very well in line. Um, but is he going to be a guy who can stretch the field and consistently stretch the field, uh, and win those inside matchups? He's got all, he's got, once again, a, another guy with great talent, um, that's got to kind of, um, you know, 58, you know, 628 yards, but he's got to be, I think he should be, like you said, 70, 80, getting that 800 to 900 range. And he's got to be a guy who gets what, eight to nine touchdowns. That's, that's kind of where you think he would be at. Yeah, and I think, you know, I always say this about guys like, you know, Tra- again, Travis Kelsey. I think it's unfair to compare anyone to Travis Kelsey. I'm going to mm-hmm. use him here, though. Like, if you think defensive coordinators aren't losing sleep and, like, staying up all night trying to cover Travis Kelsey, like, of course they're doing that all week. And yet somehow Travis Kelsey is always open and mm-hmm. always getting the football. You know, Cooper Cup was like that uh, the year he, the year the Rams won the Super Bowl. There's just, Amari Cooper's got a little bit, bit of that in him, right? Jamar Chase, like that elite level of player, defensive coordinators are spending 100-hour weeks trying to figure out how to stop them, and yet they don't get stopped. And that's the next step, I think, for like on third down, David Njoku's going to catch the ball every single time, no matter what you do. I think that's the next step for him because physically, I mean, he's got the talent and he's got the ability to be just a, a nightmare for whoever covers him. When you think about getting open, so we talked about it with the Super Bowl. I remember our conversation about Cooper Cup. You knew in that last drive he's getting it. So whatever you got to do defensively, uh, he doesn't care. He's getting the ball. And I think by formation and by him improving is the way he gets more touches. So he's got to be able to play one, two, and three strong. Uh, he's got to be able to stay in at pass downs. He's got to be able to stay in at rundowns. He's got to be able to uh, exploit matchups when they're there. 
Uh, he's got to be consistent with the easy catch, I think. So he's always had – it seems like he has trouble with, like, some of the easy ones and then the the, the hard ones he always makes. So I think he's got to be a little bit more consistent with the just the easy catch, the easy out route. Um, I think now that, you know, again, these guys have been together and now a full year, it's Watson's show. Uh, I think they're going to throw the ball more. Um, but he's got to be able to be consistently uh, be in the right spot and be in multiple spots. Uh, if you look at, like, Cooper Cup, if you look at – Travis Kelsey, they, Kelsey, I've seen Kelsey line up on every offensive position, one, two, and three, four strong on both sides during a game. So he's got to be able to handle that workload as well. Okay, one more break, and then we each have one more player to pick. Back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, 10 Browns players we're excited to see in 2023. Lance, you are up. Uh, you have taken so far Deshaun Watson, Miles Garrett, Elijah Moore, and Dalvin Tomlinson. It's a pretty good foursome right there. It is. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that first round. So my last one, I'm going to go with. I think the guy who a lot of guys on the defense are going to shine, but I think a guy who's going to have the biggest jump uh, this year in terms of production. I'm going to go with Grant Delpit. I'm going to go with Delpit at five. I think he. The reason why is because he is now in the perfect schematic fit for what he does best. He will be down inside the box. Uh, you know, he had almost 100 tackles last year. He's super aggressive in there. Uh, when you look at his big mistakes early in the year, when he gave us a big, that's because he was playing on the half. Um, he's, you know, multiple calls and did he get the call? Did he not get the call? We remember those podcasts, you know, who's, who's at fault. And I just, I diagrammed all the, all the miss who was wrong and all that kind of stuff. What it really comes down to is, you know, who's wrong now in this defense because you're in man coverage. Everybody lines up really simple. Everybody plays really fast. Uh, he'll be down inside the box. He'll be covering tight ends. He'll cover receivers as well. But I think, again, I think he's athletic enough where knowing he's got a receiver, uh, knowing he has help behind him with Juan Thornhill and he'll be in the slot. You know, one thing we always used to do is, you know, we always say funnel to your help. So I think he's if he's in man coverage, he'll still play outside a little bit, funnel to his help inside where, where, where uh, Thornhill is. So he has a little bit of help. Um, he's athletic enough to cover. He's a super tackler. He's six three. He's a big guy. Uh, I think he'll have the biggest jump in terms of like production and big plays and cost turnovers and things like that. I think this scheme is absolutely made for him. You know, if you look back, the other thing that that makes him really good is that his spot in 2017 was Rodney McLeod. And Rodney McLeod can teach him how to do that, which I think is huge. So I, I think Delpit last season was, I mean, it, you mentioned it. It was kind of a journey. It went from those early parts of the year where it was, whose fault is this? What's happening here? And like, why is this happening? And then the last month of the season, we kind of saw what Grant Delpit can be. Um, playing a little center field against Carson Wentz, came up with two interceptions. Um, and he looked more like the player that, that the Browns thought they were drafting. Uh, this is going to be his third season coming back from the Achilles injury. Uh, I, I think what Jim Schwartz and, and Brandon Lynch and Ephraim Banda are going to do with that safety room is, is really intriguing because, you know, Ephraim Banda talked to us the last day of minicamp and said, like, we're not doing free and strong right now. Now, at some point, they might actually kind of put those guys in those categories, but we're not doing, like, free safety and strong safety. We're making sure guys know everything. And so... You know, Juan Thornhill might be your your center fielder at times, and then he might move up and play in the box. And Grant Delpit might play deep, which we saw in the spring a little bit. So that versatility, I think, is going to help Grant too. Well, when you look at when you go back again, I tried to do just the defense that I thought would personnel wise was that 2017 Super Bowl team. And if you look at Rodney McLeod, for example, he does he plays deep. 
He plays at the line of scrimmage. He blitzes. Um, he, him and Jenkins, Jenkins plays linebacker. Like I said, he was in some nickel looks. He was at the Mike linebacker. He was the true Mike linebacker. So they do obviously, you know, those hundred hour weeks, they do those for a reason. You know, who are they playing? What are the run schemes? What are the pass schemes? But I, I agree. And the more, you know, and McLeod is a great guy. Cause he's going to, he's going to shorten that window of, uh, of learning, which I think is so important because, that those guys being able to play both the strong safety has a little bit more learning than the free safety. The free safety is playing center field, which I think Delpa could do. I think Delpa's a really, really good athlete. I think with Schwartz, somebody asked me the other day, if you had to, if you had one thing that makes Schwartz really, really successful is that he doesn't allow his guys to think he allows them to run, which I think is so important in the NFL. It's important in high school level. The, the minute you think your feet don't move. And with this defense, there's not going to be a lot of thinking. There's going to be thinking during the week, but when they get when they get to the field, if you're thinking, you're not moving. And that if you watch the Eagles' defense from 17 and all of Schwartz's defense, there's not. A, it doesn't look like there's a lot of thought. It is we know where to go and we're going to play extremely fast. And that's Grant Delpit to a T. Don't make him. You know, don't worry about cover two and do I have to worry about the slot receiver go outside and all. You know, who am I reading too strong? He's going to be in man coverage. Now, there's some obviously some things he'll have to learn. It's not, you know, it's not true high school football, but it's a lot simpler and allows these guys to play fast. And I think Delpit will be great at that. All right, my last guy. I'm I'm sticking with the defensive line, not Zadarius Smith though. I'm going to go with Obo Okoronkwo. I'm. This has such a high ceiling. And honestly, kind of a low floor to this signing. Um, you know, this is a guy that late bloomer in high school, late bloomer in college, uh, has been a late bloomer in the NFL, didn't get to start until the second half of last season, uh, had a really nice second half, which is what the Browns are banking on. I've called this kind of their their money ball move where you're trying to identify an undervalued asset that uh, checks a lot of boxes, whether it's, you know, traditional stats or like, you know, some of the more analytical stuff like win rate and things like that, that tell you this guy with a, with more opportunity is going to be a double digit sack player, which is what he wants to be this year. I think the ceiling on him is you got a $15 million edge rusher on the cheap. I think the floor is, Oh, you know what? He was really kind of that guy in LA and last year he just kind of got hot. And I think that's what makes him interesting. Like he could be a really dynamic pass rusher for this team. And now that he's sort of in that third edge rusher rule with, with Zadarius Smith on board, I think that suits him really well, where it's kind of like we might have you stand up and, and look more like a linebacker. We might have you put your hand in the dirt, but your job is to go get the quarterback. And I think sort of clarifying that and giving him that like one job is going to help him reach that potential. So I'm just really fascinated for what he's going to be with this team. Well, I think, you know, I think their best pat, you know, on paper right now, Smith at the three technique, and then you got Garrett and Oba outside in terms of passing downs is really, really good on paper. We'll see how, how it obviously how it pans out moving forward, but I agree. And I think the thing that uh, I like about Obo is his, his ability to be flexible. And the more that you watch a Swartz defense, it's, I don't want to say it's positionless, but he's going to find matchups. And sometimes when you find a matchup, um, a guy is not in the traditional position that he may be in. So if they like Oboe uh, at a linebacker coming in B gap or whatever it may be, or coming off the edge or getting in an odd front where he comes off the edge and beats the end or beats the uh, the running back, sorry. So there's a lot of things he, that he can do because physically uh, as undersized as he is as a defensive end, remember they're in wide five, wide nine. So the edge is already set. Um, and that, will he, set the edge and probably make the play. No, but by, by alignment, it's going to be really hard to run outside. 
and he's a pat. He's really, really outstanding with his hands. He's really explosive on his first step. Uh, there's things that, you know, he could be a early on, worst comes to worst, he's a third down guy who comes in and just gives you tremendous energy on third down. Um, I think being a third rush guy is really going to help him because if he's, um, you know, if you got Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett on one side, that's where protection's going. That's where help is going. So there's not going to be a lot of help. You know, you can say the same thing about Zadarius uh, Smith is he's been the guy. Well, these guys are not the guy anymore. Miles Garrett's the guy. So these guys are going to get a lot more one-on-one matchup than they're probably used to. And I, you know, I, I think they're going to be very successful. And like you said, Oboe, where Zadarius can go down side, Obo can stand up and play linebacker if needed. He can he can do those things. He's talented enough and physically gifted enough to do those things. Okay, there we go. Our, our 10 players that we're most interested in, Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, Miles Garrett, Greg Newsom, Elijah Moore, Jeremiah Wusukormoa, Dalvin Tomlinson, David Njoku, Grant Delpit, Obo Okoronkwo. Lance, any honorable mentions, uh, guys, we didn't get to? Um, I got a couple. I had, I mean, we didn't talk about Katie York, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I have him on my list. Jerome Ford's a guy that I wouldn't have picked, but I think moving into that backup role, that backup running back role, I think he's an interesting guy. Well, guy I had that's going to, maybe some people disagree with me. I I had Jed Wills. I think he's. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. We should spend some time on that. Yeah. uh, You know, I'm interested to see where he's at uh, in terms of like, Boy, you talk about a guy, and obviously working with you guys now, I hear a lot of, you know, the goods, the bads, and um, I watched him every day. And the talent level is so high uh, in terms of being able to move his feet. Uh, He plays for Callahan. um, But this is like do or die, right? This is it. This is kind of like, you know, is he going to be the dominant guy that everybody thought? You know, he struggled with – I thought he struggled a little bit, especially when Watson got in there because Watson moves around. Um, So I think Jed Wills is a guy – I don't know. I'm excited to see him, but I also see, I want to see what he produces. Like he's the guy I can't wait to watch in camp. I, I pretty, I'm going to be with him a lot because I, 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 he's so talented. I just, I hope he turns the corner. Yeah, that's a good one. And the, and the clock is kind of ticking, right? He's got, he's going into year four. He had the fifth year option picked up. He's kind of got two years now. Show us what you got. Um, and, and show us if you're that long-term answer at left tackle. So that's, yeah, that's that's a really good one um, that that we probably missed there. Uh, one other guy, again, not a guy I would take him, but sort of in the same vein as JOK. Depending on when he gets back and gets on the field, is uh, Sione Takitaki. I think mm-hmm. he's an uh, he, I think he's another linebacker that can thrive in this Jim Schwartz defense. And it was actually really nice to kind of see him come on at the end of last year before he he tore the ACL. Walker too. I want to see Walker. Yeah. I, want, you know, I want to see how that goes. Um, and a guy that we didn't mention, but we uh, we ha- talked about a lot is uh, Jakeem Grant. I, you know, obviously you guys know I have seen him during uh, during the spring a little bit when I was able unable to get down there. You know how much I liked him last year. I liked him in the slot, so I'm interested because they still have to bolster whatever it is. They have to be better in the return game. They got to play complementary football. So whoever that return guy is, too, they got to get that. They got to get that going as well. I mean, Bubba Ventrone said it. He's they're not planning on fair catching the ball this year and taking advantage of that new rule. They they want to return the football uh, if if they're given the opportunity. Uh, okay, there we go. That'll do it for uh, this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Now, I mentioned that Mary Kay and Ashley are off this week. I'm actually going to be off next week. But the good news there is we pre-recorded some really interesting podcasts. Uh, we've got our coach draft, our quarterback draft. We've got an AFC North position draft. Uh, those will all run early next week. So what I'm telling you is you've got to get subscribed 
to this Orange and Brown Talk feed if you aren't already uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, so you can check those out when they hit on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week. We'll also have some more 23 questions posts coming your way. Uh, we've still got some good pods coming this week. Doug is going to join us. Uh, Lance is going to be on tomorrow's pod with Doug and me. And then uh, Friday, me and Doug are going to do maybe some over-unders and, and do some... Uh, Maybe some gambling talk on on Friday. Tell you how to lose all your money uh, once football season starts. So like I said, just get subscribed to that. Check out Football Insider as well. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get a newsletter, become a texter, and get access to stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns that are behind that paywall. All right, Lance, it was good to have you back on, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.